Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode 26 of the Believe Knicks pod. An exciting episode. We have a special guest for you again. Today's guest is a writer and a stats wonk. You have seen his work at Posting and Toasting and The Strickland, as well as various other sites and pods. Welcome for the first time to the Believe Knicks pod, Drew Steele. Drew, how are you doing today? What's up, guys? I am so happy to be here because finally somebody from the people I know actually want to talk to me about the Knicks. It's great. I'm yeah, excited. We, 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 we lost the raffle this week, so we have Drew on the show today. But um... Can I ask you one question, actually, for some of, some of our listeners? Where did Doug come from? Oh, they, <laughs> um, obviously, like all things, came from Stingy, which is at Itho on Twitter. I'm pretty sure Stink, I was like, hey, this is Drew, and he goes, okay, Doug. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Like, it's it's Stink. It's it's just the best way to explain it's it. Just, like, it's, I, a, it's a Stink thing. I thought, it was, I thought it was, like, from the Nickelodeon show or something. You know? No, it's specifically... It's from Stink, and I think it's primarily because we were talking about Twin Peaks: The Return, mm. and there's a character named Dougie Jones, which is played by Kyle MacLachlan. Mm. Gotcha. So I was always hoping there was a Dougie Fresh connection, like somewhere in the background. Of all no, of it's it. It, it is it is specifically more of a reference to Twin okay. Peaks. But yes, it is it is a stingy creation, and listen, you can't control that guy. You cannot. So. It's a deep cut, and that's what it is. It's a Twin Peaks reference, and he just started calling me that because I'm probably because he didn't know my name probably for a good two years. Well, we will be talking with Drew, aka Doug, about a few Nick (laughs) topics today. Um, Mitchell Robinson will come up first. We'll talk a little Julius Randle. We'll talk uh, a little reality of covering the team. But first, our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget, Major League Baseball is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? I would suggest you give some thought to the 10 of 4 New York Mets when you consider your World Series props. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting, and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started, so head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Drew, where the episode starts is what you and I were talking about earlier in the fabulous Believe Green Room, Mitchell Robinson. Will be mm-hmm. up for free agency, and there is quite a bit of lively debate among Nick fans. And I heard some of this lively debate was happening in the Discord. That there was Discord in the Discord about this. There was Discord. Well, I want to know what what is this Mitchell? Is this the the classic keeper don't keep Mitch debate? What were you guys debating about, and and where do you stand on the issue? Whatever it is. I would actually, before we get into it, I would just love to know what Stacy's tone was. Since everyone knows the internet, you can't read tone for when we're speaking. It felt like Stacy was legitimately yelling at me and he wanted to kill me. <laughs> but like, I can't tell 
if that's actually the case sometimes because i'm just like sitting there calmly i'm like yeah man i'm just not feeling this sort of things and then i feel like stacy's like you fuck can i swear you, on this you, you actually I'm insist down. on it um oh, okay you not, fucking moron <laughs> you piece of shit moron stop talking <laughs> um no i mean it was a, it was a compound effect you had everybody was everyone's been going at mitch i think your argument's pretty reasonable Everyone um, is going at Mitch. I think it's somewhat also unfairly because there is one thing we I think all of us agree on. on. I, I got a shout out. Part of it was because uh, the gulliness person. What's his name? I know. I don't, I don't know. That guy was going in with some sarcastic <laughs> shit, and I'll admit it tripped me off a little bit. And I was in fight or flight mode a little bit. So, um, but you know, I didn't mean to hit you with any strays. So. No, it's it, it's okay. It's just I always find it amusing when you like discuss things, whether it's on like Twitter, a Discord channel, any sort of like Slack, Reddit, whatever it is. It's really difficult to read tone from people, and you don't always know if they're actually angry or joking or just being pleasant. Because it's a lot of times on Twitter, I think most of the time it's tone that usually gets people like dunked on. It's like someone will say something stupid, then I'll get retweeted like this is stupid, like this is a really dumb tweet. Then it's then I think to myself. I say a lot of dumb tweets, but but the my circle know that I'm joking around. So maybe tweets are just inside jokes that we don't interpret because we're not inside those communities. Food for thought. Do you thought I like that? I'm thinking about that. <laughs> um, but while we're here, <laughs> while we're here, there's debate, and I think like I've debated with Schwinn about this. And I think Schwinn is also close, more closely aligned to you, where Mitch has very important limitations as center. And I, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I'm still on board with giving him up to $15 million a year. Beyond that, I'd have to think about it. For how many years? Four. Um, I'd give him four for 60. That's kind of my upper bound on what I would give Mitch. Mm-hmm. Robert Williams just got four for 54. I don't think Mitch is as good as Robert Williams at this point. Last year, I would have said differently. Is that so sad? It is very sad. I mean, <laughs> well, I'm I'm also two years ago. I don't think Jared Allen was appreciably better than Mitchell Robinson. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, so many people got better There's than Mitch. There's a fight with Net fans yeah. all the time about Mitch being better than Jared Allen. Well, now but, now he's on the cab, so we can say that he's better. Because if he was still on the Nets, we'd be like, he fucking sucks. <laughs> And I'm not also sure that either of those guys, even Robert Williams, is better than him on defense. Robert Williams is very mobile and switchable, but he also plays with four other players at all times who are very switchable as well. He's also not as big as Mitch. Yeah, like yeah. He, he he can block shots and he's a rim protector, but there's a big difference between someone who's six nine and like seven mm-hmm. one. So, yeah, but um, so I'll, I'll I'll open the floor to you. But my kind of short thoughts on Mitch are. I think he's an elite offensive rebounder, and like when people talk about him as a zero on offense, that gets overlooked. I think he's also his vertical gravity and lob threat, especially with guards who are so floater at mid-range dependent, like IQ and maybe one day Deuce are. Um, maybe one day, God willing, Tibbs, right? But um he also, opened God willing RJ gets a floater game. <laughs> and, and and I think that he he like you can have a really good offense with him. He can add to your offense with the right kind of complementary big. Um, and I will cite the fact that him and Obi so far in their careers have been very effective together. I mean, they played over 600 minutes together and had an 118 offensive rating. 
So I think that when you talk about Randall and Mitch not working, and that's why I think a lot of the frustration in terms of you know a stretch player like Randall, like we, us needing a stretch player comes from, it's like it's not just the shooting; it's also quick decision making. Like if you do have him in the dunker spot, do you have someone like a Draymond who can like play a four on three and really make that an effective threat, even with your limitations, or do you have someone who's going to hold the ball? Um, and I think it, it can really work with with a guy who's with with connectors and shooters. So I am, um, you know, I'm not so convinced that Mitch really hampers your offense. Ideally, I'd like if you told me we could get DeAndre Ayton or Jaron Jackson or one of those guys, but th- there's a reason those guys aren't available, right? Um, Ayton may be available. If Ayton is available, I'm on board with that. I think we agree with that. Someone, mm-hmm. but I think where we differ is like a Miles Turner or yes. like a, a, I don't know if you, what your thoughts are on Jakob Pertl, but I know there's a few people that would prefer, prefer to prepare. <laughs> who who would want Jakob Pertl over Mitch? I have seen that on Twitter. Get the fuck out of here. Okay. So we, we're aligned on that. I'm, I see stuff with Jakob Pertl as well. They'll be like, Oh, look at like some of like the, some like on off stuff for the adjusted stuff. And it's fair. I'm a big adjusted on off person as well. But like, I just watch him playing. He plays for the Spurs, and like the Spurs suck. They don't care. Like it doesn't matter. So it's like he does things. It doesn't matter. Like sure, he has a nice touch and he can defend a little bit, but I don't know. He's he's definitely like not as good as Yusuf Nurkic, and they're like similar in concept. It's like I much rather have Nurkic than Jakob Nurkic Pertl. is available. So, yeah, Nurkic is available. Nurkic to Mitch as well. I mean, I, I think this is one thing we disagreed on. Nurkic or Turner. Yeah, so yes and i think i'm with you in 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 that he does add offensive value that i don't think that's really debatable i think where the debate kind of comes in is that's the there's a floor there or there's like however you want to say like that's the ceiling i guess with it like there's a limited ceiling what mitch can do on offense and what i worry about i'm thinking more like two years down the road, three years down the road of these sort of things where the Knicks do get into the playoffs and you have a center who can't shoot, can't pass, doesn't set screens well, can't shoot free throws. So you're playing four on five, more or less. If we're talking playoffs, it will absolutely work in the regular season without question. Just teams get better. They get smarter. They get they they're actually doing game plans on like the regular season and then you could start game planning to the Knicks where they're like oh they're four on five and that's what really concerns me is that I think you need someone on offense with different skills and I won't even say better I think it's different a set of skills to help with IQ and RJ and OB the one thing for IQ though is going to be like some centers are not going to give him the lob threat, so he needs to work on a different type of mid-range game, which he needs anyway. He needs like a pull-up elbow jumper, but that's something different. But they need. Which a, he's flashed, I, by the way. He's flashed it though. We need to see it more. Like what's yes. encouraging is that he can. What I was worried about with the mid-range is that like he shoots with a low release. Yeah, he goes low. Like but he's on com- mid-range, and when he gets contested on spot-ups, he does go up more. Yeah, sometimes he will. He will raise his release. The fact that he can do that is good. I mean, it's always with player development. It's like, well, if you get him to do it all the time, is that going to fuck up his shot? Which right. I don't think any of us want to do that. 
No. So, but um, but anyway, I was. I'll... Yeah. So I think they just need a center who can set screens, pass, and just be a normal role threat. Maybe not a lob threat, but at least a role threat. But then again, now that I am thinking about this more, who's really a traditional role threat these days? Hmm. Like not even so a lob threat, a like, threat. A role, like a traditional like, so like a, huh? the guy who can. Not even a pick and pop, but it like would be like the, the free throw pass. line, like you the can pocket give a bounce pass, pass oh. at the fourth at the free throw line. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a guaranteed dunk, so he has to make a decision. He has to either dribble with it. Yeah, he has or... to you know, like making the one dribble or the two quick dribbles and a pass out or something. Like, I don't see that that much except for Drummond. DeAndre DeAndre. Ayton. I mean, Drummond, I guess, fits that mold right a little bit. Well, Drummond also sucks. So, yeah. So I yeah. So like I think the Nixon also just needs someone. I don't even want to say can post up and score, but like can just be viable enough on offense where you have to respect him at the elbow and in just something as minimal as that. And I think at least like, you know, Miles Turner probably isn't as good as Mitch, but is better on offense, adds more layers on offense by putting the ball on the floor. He, you could say he sucks at th- three-point shooting. He's at least willing to take a three-point open three-point shot. Mitch isn't willing to take an open five-foot shot. Yeah. So those little things. I think Nurkic is just a bigger, like a bigger player, and I think that would just help the Knicks moving forward. But with all that said and all that concern, the Knicks can't just like throw in some random person to re- replace Mitch. Like Jericho Sims isn't the answer. Taj Gibson's the, not the answer, and pretty much. Everyone outside of DeAndre Ayton, and you could debate on Nurkic, are not the answer. A guy like Bamba, or Professor brought up Bamba, so I want to hear Professor's thoughts on uh, on Bamba. We were in the uh, the. So I will acknowledge right off the bat, as I told you, that I think that the the what Bamba represents is probably more exciting than Bamba himself, because I don't know like how transformative Mo Bamba is going to be, but I think. Where's he from, by the Harlem way? Harlem Zone, Mo Bamba. <laughs> um, it is. <laughs> I think that a lot for me comes down to what are you doing at the four next year? Because I think if you're going to go with Randall and you're committed to whether to get his value back up or whether because you want to make it work, um, I think the type of center that I want with Randall is not necessarily the same as the type of center that I would take with Toppin. But I think Bamba, because of what he represents could work both ways because he he can be a lob finisher. He can shoot the league average from deep. Um, he's big enough and long enough to have some impact on defense. And I don't think he's going to cost, I, I don't think he's going to cost much more than I think it's like 10 or 11 a year. Like he's not going to cost a bunch. Yeah. I would be shocked if he got more than like 30. I offer, yeah. Which I think, if I'm the Knicks, like what I'd want to do next season, Noel's got to go because I, I can't pay $10 million a year to someone who just has never stayed healthy in his entire career. I'm not in love with keeping Mitch. I'm not dead set on getting rid of him. I do think, like Stacey said, he does a couple things at an elite level. The offensive rebounding is important for a team that's not great on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the vertical threat. I don't think it was there as much last year, but maybe that's because he was very out of shape. Maybe that's because the point guard play until the end was pretty, like, inconsistent. Um, I'm cool with Bamba. I'm cool with Bamba at least as, like, plug him in for a year. It's not like they're trying to win the title next year. Plug him in, 
see what it looks like. And then maybe, you know, after that season, yeah, we really want to draft a guy like this or or make more of an effort for someone like Miles Turner because we think it really works. Or maybe you realize, you know what, we really don't need that kind of guy. But I, I like I, I like Bamba at least as representative of where I think they should go. I you know, it's not a world where there's ten guys out there who are gonna fit the role as a three and D center. Um none that I can think of anyway. Yeah, I mean a three and D center, like good ones, I mean, it's like three and D wings, right? When they say a three and D wing, one of those two things is in air quotes, right? Like um Robert Covington is a bad example, but Courtney like Courtney Lee was a three and D yep. wing. Yep. Like, okay, he's fine. Well, Robert Covington now is both a three and D yeah, that, player. That, he's watched. But I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> Peak Robert. Peak Robert Covington has looked at that archetype. Yes. Or Shane Battier right. was that archetype, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they're most of those guys are limited on one end, you know. Um, especially and it becomes more apparent in the playoffs. Like they might they might 2.4 attempts per game their way to a 40% three-point percentage in the regular season. Those guys are getting left open in the playoffs, um, and they're, they're not going to make good the same way. Um, but same thing with, with Biggs, it's even more extreme. This is why Chet Holgren, Holmgren, um, for those that follow the draft, is extremely highly valued. This is why I had Jaron Jackson over Luka, and anyone can climb me, clown me for this, but... Like Jaron Jackson Jr. was the fact that he could shoot the way he did and protect the rim the way he does, mm-hmm. even with the rebounding flaws, even with the fact that the off the dribble game was still very much theoretical at that point, and he's made good on it. Um, like those guys are just tough to find. And it, I, that's why if the Knicks have someone like that in the draft, they think they can take a flyer on, they should absolutely mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. But short of the stretch five, now you're talking about the can take one dribble and do stuff. And I'll even say Jericho Sims has shown that ability more than Mitch has. Yes, he has. He's shown the ability to grab and go. He sets real screens. Um, I don't think he's as good an offensive rebounder as Mitch, but he's actually a pretty good offensive rebounder. Yeah, he's fine. Um, he He's a good passer. Like, when he catches offensive rebounds, he's had a knack for just finding shooters immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he keeps his... I think when you're just more comfortable with the ball, you can keep your head up and look, right? You're not multi... It's not... It doesn't feel like multitasking, mm-hmm. I guess. Which Mitch is like, you know, he's not as capable with the ball in his hands. So a, a better version of that, I can see how that would help. But I don't think there's a player out there who gives you that without taking away a lot on defense or being super expensive. Um, and... You know, Turner, you got two more years on his contract, $20 million a year. I don't think he's the same level of defender that Mitch is. Um, I don't think the spacing necessarily, like, I, he can hit it, but it's also defenses are not falling over themselves to close it out on Miles Turner. Um, but he does demand at least, and, five, you know, five more feet of, of attention than Mitch does five is a stretch like i think they would no pun intended but um you know they there's the teams are willing to let him shoot from there um and and he's shooting at 33 percent. like what is the value out of that like julius randall shoots at 33 percent um i think that he was worse above the rim julius randall though above the break i'm sorry there's (laughs) yeah i mean non-covid in general but um I mean, with Jewish, like, I think that 
like not to pile on him again, but yeah, I think a lot of what made Mitch un- ineffective. But it's tough because there were times where Julius would try to feed him, and Mitch wasn't ready. You do need like a really like I think it speaks more to the fact that Obi is a really really good passer from the power forward position and mm-hmm. he never stands still. So even the fact that his three point jumper has been inconsistent. Like he's the very rare player that can make up for spacing with just constant movement and intelligence. And he moves the ball so quickly, you know? Yeah. Which goes to, I guess, Drew's point that our Drew and Benji had said this earlier today. Like you can obviously have a great offense with a guy like Mitchell Robinson, but it Mm -hmm. does require special players. And I think in that regard, Obi is Mm -hmm. special. So maybe that shouldn't be a a point in Mitch's favor. I mean, it kind of is though, because for, I think, Unless this is my really bad attempt at a segue, but we are going to discuss Julius Randle at some point, right? So, like, if Julius Randle's gone, then there is a pretty decent reason just to, like, to keep Mitch then because there aren't really any answers. And we absolutely know it works. So, it's like, then it's like, give Mitch three years and just find someone in the draft over the Mm -hmm. next couple Mm -hmm. years to be that guy instead of a free agent Mm -hmm. or something. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's I think that's the closest to where I'm at because the most discouraging part for me is, is something we, that hasn't been mentioned yet. It's Mitch has actually, I think, regressed as a free throw shooter oh, yeah. since yeah. coming to the in, in the green room, Professor was saying that he he's terrible. <laughs> and it's it, it doesn't even look like I mean Clyde mentions it literally every time. Every single every single shot. Every single like shot. The, he's not it doesn't even look no. like he's trying to make no. it. <laughs> Um, and that's concerning because like one of the good attributes you would think is that when you're a lob threat, you can catch the ball and go up or you grab a lot of offensive rebounds as you're going to get fouled a lot. And I haven't looked up his free throw rate, but I would imagine it's something in the, at least the forties and that might be being conservative. Um, and if he can't make those free throws on a team that spoiler alert guys, the Knicks are not very good at f- shooting free throws mm-hmm. overall. <sighs> it's dicey proposition. So I think he's an imperfect solution for now. If he improves or if he reaches like a Gobert level on defense, it makes you pause. But I wouldn't want to pull the plug on that right now unless we could get an Aiden like that. 52.8 foul rate for wow. Mitch this season. Yeah, so he gets fouled a lot and can't hit him. So, Are you? you know, uh, it's almost like you don't want him. Well, you want him to get the offensive rebound, but like <laughs> it's almost like you'd rather just he kicked it out. You know, sometimes when he gets to the offensive rebound. Are you concerned at all? I was telling Drew earlier that I am. That um, other than staying out of foul trouble, which is um, a useful, very important skill that Mitch has shown obvious growth with, to me, he hasn't really developed anything else since he came into the league. Like, he's a, he's a smarter all-around defender and more effective, I think, because he's on the floor more. And... I think he's become more of a of a of an impact on the offensive class because also he's on the floor more. But like I don't think he's improved at all as a passer. He hasn't improved at all as a shooter. I don't think he's improved setting screens. Like my concern is that uh, my concern basically is that that like if this is what Mitch is and he's had the injury now, but like he hasn't had like a torn ACL or something that has robbed him of his athleticism. And this is Mitch with all systems go. I would be worried about giving this guy four years and then he has any kind of an injury that impacts his athleticism because I don't think he has shown 
that he's picking it up in any other field. And that would make me worry about what a diminished Mitch would be like. <coughs> Obviously that's a worst case scenario. Yeah. Um, I, I'm going to push back a little bit. Um, I think that he has, so he was not a good offensive rebounder or sorry. He was a good offensive rebounder always, but he's yeah. improved from there. He was not a good defensive rebounder early in his career. He didn't know how to box out. Uh, he did not know how to make the decision between contesting and not like there on one extreme, you have Kevin love who just wouldn't contest because he wanted mm-hmm. to pad his stats. And now the other stream, you have guys like, I wouldn't even say Nerlens Noel, but most, most like freakishly athletic rookies. They just want to yeah. block everything. Um, for what it's worth, I think Jericho Sims actually airs too much on the side of, he is in that mold, but he actually airs too much on the side of not contesting. And he's like, he's been trying. Like, it's not laziness, right? I think he's terrified of tips. He's just figuring out that decision. He's petrified of tips. Yeah, that's probably it. But um, what I think Mitchell Robinson has really become an elite rebounder. Um, I think that um, his positioning. You, know, I think just being able to stay down, like you. I don't think you can just minimize the foul avoiding fouls. Because like it's it's part of staying down on shot fakes or understand a reading reading a ball handler better right or reading a, the guy with the ball in his hands better because he is um, he can he's more able to understand this is when I should jump up this is when I should use my length and that translates also to when he has to be on the perimeter this is when mm-hmm. I should be lower in his stance this is when he's definitely going to shoot so I I wouldn't minimize those things like his defensive fundamentals like his improvement on defense. I, this is as good as I could have expected. Um, on offense, there's been incremental improvement in offensive rebounds and nothing else. Uh, so I think that that would be where I would defer. But that does tell me that in four years, the only things we've heard about Mitch's offense are Instagram videos and people associated with him complaining that he doesn't get post touches. But I remember, like, I think his uncle or someone complained on Twitter. And then the next game, they threw him like five mm-hmm. entry passes. Fournier did, quickly did, like everyone threw him passes. I don't think he caught one. <laughs> uh, he's not Nerlens no, Noel, not. but he is. He's also definitely not Joel no. Embiid. Let's get that clear. And no. he, that nothing has changed there in four years. So on on offense, I agree with you. The question is, how much can a defense only big, who gives you a couple things on offense, and he's the thing is, if he reaches. Okay, I'll ask this to you guys. He's he's like he is like a poor man's Rudy Gobert right now. Um, he's like a poor man's Clint Capella. I wouldn't go that far because I think that um, I think he's pretty similar to Clint on defense. And okay, I think what about got to, Clint's second cousin? He is like I would say he's he's in Clint's he's like neighborhood. Yeah. Like he's like a he's he's a Clint peer. Maybe Clint is like the older brother and he's the younger brother but he's... what about like an uncle through marriage <laughs> um he, he but it's he's like, I'm not touching that. <laughs> he's like lonzo to clint's lamello can we say that just the less just like mm. but like if, if he if, if there was a play... fourth if there was a fourth brother between lonzo and the one who's not in the league then the angelo no. But if, if Mitch <laughs> yeah, got to if, if Mitch got to play with Trey Young, I mean Clint Capella is not skilled on offense at all. Maybe slightly better hands. He's smaller than Mitch. He sets better uh, screens. He sets screens. It's but he's playing with Trey Young. Like he he would make my screens look good. I 
don't think that's necessarily completely true. Come on. About Stacey's Come stream on. specifically? I said, about... I said a hard stream, man. Come on. <laughs> I'll talk um, about <laughs> I think at, at, at least on, you Stacey. could say that's a mitigating factor, though, right? Um, and so, but I would put him in the Capella tier on defense, at least. Mm-hmm. And then, so how, like, if he gets to from that tier, and I think we can all agree Capella is not in the Gobert tier. If he mm-hmm. gets to the Gobert tier on defense, does that mitigate the fact that he, and if you don't think he can get to that tier, that's fine too. But would that, how much does that mitigate, like, you know, the kind of offensive limitations you're talking about? It's still, it still presents the same thing because Rudy Gobert on offense is also better, like, is Absolutely. still a very good offensive player. He has like a the, post. He has a, a semblance of a post game. Um, yeah, the, yeah. The problem is with uh, like Utah is that like he's not like really good on offense. Like he does all the little things like amazingly. And Utah also has well, Utah has a range of things that I actually don't think is all completely Rudy Gobert. But he plays like a very small part on offense. But it's not necessarily him. It's more of like his skill set. But like yeah, that's the thing. Like. Rudy Gobert works because he does like all the little things in offense perfectly. Mitch doesn't do the little things at all. So it's like he <laughs> Mitch needs to be Rudy Gobert on defense and then like well, wouldn't you call offensive rebounding a little thing? Well, Rudy Gobert can offensive rebound. He can set he's probably one of the best screeners in the league. He clears up so many open looks for um, like Donovan Mitchell and everything along those lines. He does set screens off the ball. He does move well. He can post up, catch the ball on a mismatch. Like Rudy Kubert can do things on offense. The problem is he's not like, he's not DeAndre Ayton on offense. And that's the big, that's a, that's a limitation, but Rudy Kubert yeah, is still if, very I mean, good. If someone isn't DeAndre Ayton, right? And well, I think Rudy he... works because he does all the little things except be a I... true Scoring. Threat. I think if you still had perennial def, I mean, and by the way, he had a case obviously this year for defensive right. player of the year. Well, he definitely uh, should have won it over Marcus Smart. I I don't hate Marcus Smart. I'm not going to get into that. But... No, I'm going to fuck that guy. <laughs> but Rudy Gobert is arguably the best defender in the league. Maybe to some people, not even that arguably. He just is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if he just didn't set screens as well, and he was still that guy? Utah would suck even more than they do right now. But he'd but he'd still be a very valuable player. If Utah sucked, it probably wouldn't have as much to do with him, right? Well, it would it would play a part because if he's not giving Donovan Mitchell clean looks, is Donovan Mitchell really making more contested shots than we're talking about? I mean, how Donovan... much? I mean, how much is he giving Donovan Mitchell clean looks, and how much should we credit Donovan Mitchell for that? I will not credit Donovan Mitchell for that, and I will credit Rudy Gobert for that. Okay. Um, I do think I would be interested to see how much better Mitch would look next to a better guard, at least. Uh, I think that his screen assists... I haven't looked them up either. I can look them up now. Mitch's, Mitch's screen um, assists, I know, ended up being about 3.3. Um, I wrote about him a couple weeks ago with the Strickland. Gobert had like... Mitch was like 2.8 or 3.3 a game. Gobert was like almost triple that. Um, Nurkic was... Mitch putting up that college GPA. No. He's putting that triple double up. Zero, Gobert, the, point, the point three pounds screen assists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess I'm I'm curious. Yeah, like how much, how much of that is the the guard, and how much, how much of Gobert's value really comes from screen assists. But another thing I wanted to ask 
um, and uh, because Benji brought this up, Benji Ritholtz, um, you know, the Jazz, or not Benji, someone asked Benji this, and I thought it was an interesting point. Um, the Jazz do not help Gobert or the ball handler on pick and rolls at all. They play two on two. The Knicks do not do that. That's a Tibbs thing. Do you think that that is perhaps hiding some of Mitch's value, that if they did leave him in two-on-two situations, the defense would be even better? Even on the one hand, like Tibbs' defensive results, even this year, have been really good, uh, particularly without Kemba. But, um, you know, I would be interested to think, you know, I'd be interested to ask you, or do you think it's more of a situation where Gobert is the only big, really, or like there's one or two bigs who are worthy of that level of trust? I think Gobert is a completely different class for Mitch. Um, and I, I think to the point of like, they have similarities on offense, but I feel like discussing, you know, do we think Mitch could do this thing that Gobert could do would be like back in the day, like, this is going to sound like an extreme example, but like wondering if Al Harrington could score like Gilbert Arenas because they both scored a lot of points for their teams. Like, but there's a difference between someone doing it like at a hall of fame elite level. And I think Mitch is really good. Uh, To me, my instinct is that Gobert is an entirely different class of even defensive center than Mitch is because Mitch is like one of the best defensive centers, I think in the league and it's certainly like one of the best Nick defensive centers that I've ever seen. But Gobert is like one of the best defensive centers like ever. ever. I mean, that's ever. a different level. The, the counterpoint would be, um, I know there's people who think that Alfred Payton and Reggie Bullock were elite defenders. I'm not of that that mindset. No, I'm, I'm 100% not. I definitely that am either. not of the mindset that Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier were great mm-hmm. defenders. Um, or that RJ Barrett has been even good this year, for that matter. With mm, the few I disagree. Um, you disagree on RJ. I, that might we might have to save that for part two, but because um, <laughs> we started talking about this earlier today, I know that um, <laughs> we did. But we the Knicks do not have impact perimeter defenders that they play no, consistently, they right? No, and they still had an elite defense for two years. Last year, you could argue Noel covered them. This year, you could see Noel was hurt. Taj was. Kurt had the baby, like went through stuff for the first. Didn't have months. his H E H at some points. Maybe, um, but and Mitch was Mitch was out of shape, which that is the biggest potential issue. Is that like if this guy really, if you can't rely on him to come to sh- camp in shape, like it's one thing with Dennis Rodman where you're like, all right, Dennis is going to be Dennis, but Mitchell Robinson hasn't earned that. But <laughs> once he fixed them, once he got in mm-hmm. shape, the Knicks were not running out good. Like Alec Burks is a solid defender at the two. He is a bad defender at the one. Yeah. Evan Fournier is a bad defender. Julius Randle did not play defense this year. And then you have RJ Barrett, who I don't think is at, at best he's he's a neutral mm-hmm. defender. And this year, like last year, he was locking up dudes. I was really impressed with his defense last year. I did not think he was a positive defender this year. Okay, that's fair. He was not locking up people like he was last year. So I will say Mitch. his he it was Mitch then, right? Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely it's Tibbs' system and Mitch. And then also Mitch did get a chance to play when like IQ and Grimes and Obi and RJ got to like remember like Mitch would have like those lineups like Tibbs would give like a little snippet yeah. of it, and then you got to see really what the yeah. defense would look like. So that I, I'm basically giving you like yeah, Mitch probably was mostly the reason for the defense 
for the last half of the season. And I think that, that I mean, that's my counterpoint to Matt, who's saying, I mean, quite appropriately, right, that Rudy is a guy who's been to the playoffs all the time, was doing it at a certain level in more meaningful circumstances, which I won't disagree with. But the counterpoint to that is he gets to play on a team with, um, you know, with, with, piece, with pieces that make sense. Now, Donovan Mitchell, for some reason, has decided to not be remotely impactful on defense, but... Um, well, he's he was he's worse he's somehow worse than Julius Randle. Yeah, and it, I mean, I would still say I would rather have a guard that's worse at defense than a wing or a forward. Yes, I would. I would agree with you too. I'm just saying in terms of like how bad Donovan Mitchell. But like, if you thought yeah. Julius Randle was bad, like Donovan Mitchell's doing Julius Randle defense in he the playoffs. Right that's now. what you he have to do to the the Knicks. He probably thinks he's just emulating Randle's example. Please, but he, but I, if, if, I can't have that on the Mitchell in the Knicks. I'll lose my mind if this happens. The thing is, in Louis, at Louisville, and if you ever watch Louisville play, especially under Rick Pitino, they had a, I mean, his, his drills, he's famous for these drills where he just does one-on-one full-court drills, which would be brutal. I think I would quit the team if I had I to would do quit that. the team. I'm not doing one-on-one yet. No. <laughs> full-court. But that's, and then every time, like all of, they just churned out these guards who ball hawk all the time. And Donovan Mitchell was that guy and he was the best of those guys because he's six foot three, six foot ten wingspan, crazy athletic, very quick, great instincts. And the fact that that didn't translate at all um, is just really shocking, you know. Well, we're gonna get into Drew's clear hatred for RJ Barrett in part two of the episode. Also, want to talk mm. about the Julius Randall question that Schwinn raised earlier today. What would you trade for Randall? Or what would you try to get back in a deal? Um, and other subjects as well. But that will be it for part one tonight. So, Drew, thank you for staying up past your bedtime with us. And we will have you on again tomorrow to complete the episode. Drew, sorry, real quick. Do you, is there anyone you yeah. want to plug? Um, you can find me at the Strickland Discord now because i'm i'm i have a twitter it's scooter tweets but i'm not on twitter Twitter's a terrible place i'm tired of it so come see me in the strickland discord you become that for a patreon <laughs> i think it's five dollar tier if you get five bucks you get to hang out with me virtually and see how not smart i actually am see so since this pod is free you're getting right now the free drew but once you pay the five dollars and get Ooh, yeah, you pay that five dollars. It's a different experience. The only you know, Drew there is. <laughs> so, thank you for mm, that. <laughs> maybe. Nah, that was an OnlyFans joke, but I think it was poorly executed. So, anyway. if you want to get the good OnlyFans <laughs> joke, you have to sign up to Stacy's Patreon. So, uh, <laughs> everybody, thank you for joining us for part one, and hang around one more day for part two. Take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.